Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to Week 10 of the Playbook with Joey and Zach on WZBC AM Sports Radio. Hope this week has been a good one. I hope everyone's doing well. Tonight, we're going to begin by recapping the Beanpot Finals matchup from Monday night between Northeastern and BU and the consolation game between BC and Harvard. Northeastern and BC Hockey will be playing a home-and-home weekend series on Friday, Saturday night, which we're punt for, and we're going to preview as well. Uh, after that, we'll get into our thoughts about the Super Bowl 56, the matchup between the Bengals and the Rams and how that went. We'll break down analysis of the game and the Rams' victory. Uh, then we'll talk about the Celtics' current nine-game winning streak, uh, which has been electric as a fan, um, in their moves in the last in last week's NBA trade deadline. Had a couple of trades we're going to discuss. At the end, we'll discuss BC basketball's loss to Duke uh, last Saturday at Conti, which was a good game for BC. Um, despite the loss, you know we kept it close within 11, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and yep. tonight's game against Notre Dame, too, we're going to preview. So uh, that game starts at 7, so... Maybe give you some live analysis, you know, towards the end when, when, when BC is about 10, 15, 20 minutes into the game. Absolutely, yeah. Should be a good one tonight. Looking forward to it. Yeah, so first game we'll start off with. We'll start off with the uh, consolation game uh, for last week's Beanpot. Consolation on Monday night. BC tied Harvard 3-3. Actually, the first tie in Beanpot history. Um, they didn't even televise the game for some reason. They always televise the consolation game, but for some reason mm, this was the year they said yeah. no. I mean, 4.30 start time was tough, and then... As the game moved on, it got even tougher. Uh, BC jumped out to a quick 3-1 lead and never put one in, uh, in the net after that. Harvard came back, tied at 3-3. Uh, game was scoreless in OT. Um, yeah. so now 3-3 finish. Underwhelming Beanpot from BC. Had high hopes coming in, even though we've been struggling. Um, the team's winless streak has continued. Oh, 11-1. So, 11-1 in the last 12, so that was obviously tough. But, I mean, Dopp... Played better than he usually has. It wasn't a great game for him, but 32 he saves played, and 39 he played shots well is all right. Yeah. 32 he saves and 39 shots is all right. Um, although he, he has struggled all year. But Howard got a big goal from Matt Coronado, who I highlighted. Um, I, during our beanpot special, even last week as well, um, uh, forward Matt Coronado's had a great season. He had an assist as well, and also had a goal with about five minutes to go to tie the game. Uh, as I said, the first tie in beanpot history, um, probably because they obviously changed the OT rules. Well, now it's a three-on-three, three, obviously, and there's no double OT for a consolation game and all that, and there's no mm-hmm. double OT in, in general. That was Makes just sense for the consolation game, but I hate that rule change for they gotta uh, get a the shoot. championship. I don't want to yeah. I mean, put on a shootout if it ever got to that point. I mean, this I mean, game was backed up, so obviously that's why they didn't do yeah, a shootout. game two years ago, BCBU going to double OT, that was electric, and yeah. the fact that that would have been a shootout if that happened today yeah, it was stupid. so I disappointing. So. Lose on that. I hope. I mean, a lot of people are outraged about that rule, so hopefully they go back on it. We'll see. I mean, they probably just try to mix it up for the season since they had two years. Yeah. Um, you know, planning and everything. But uh, Kobe Ambrosio played very well, added two goals. Um, Liam Isaac actually had um, uh, three goals in his last two games. He had two goals uh, during the Beanpot Consolation game on Monday, um, and then also one goal in Friday night's game against UConn. So he's he's been staying hot, um, three goals in the last two games. Hopefully that continues. BC could use that. And then Dopp, as we said, played a little bit better in the Beanpot, you know, final as well. Um, he did have four goals in the first one and three goals in this one, but or three goals. Yeah, three goals and three goals. But definitely could have been worse for him, you know, from him. You know, he's been giving up for five, sure. six, seven goals some games. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he stepped great, up but... in the bean pot. I mean, only giving up two goals, and I mean, the third one at the end was tough because there was no defense. But I mean, most of them weren't really his fault. You know, the first goal kind of trickled in. Um, they kind of got a lucky bounce off of him um, with no defense there from BC. So, I mean, he actually had a good bean pot. I thought. Um, I mean, you know, the way we played towards the end of the consolation game too, things got tricky defensively. Um, and he still put up a solid game, only giving up three goals across um, in each of his two games. Um, a lot better than what we've seen from, you know, two weeks ago when six he played goals, Harvard. And yeah. He let in six goals. That was awful to watch. So Yeah, it was tough. I mean, he has an 88% save percentage on the year, so it's not great. But I guess you'll take it, I guess, with how bad he's looked at times. But BC will be getting back. Michael McLaughlin, he only played one game in the Olympics. Um, and Drew Hellison, they just, Team USA just lost last night to Slovakia 3-2. And a shootout, once again, a shootout is, is deciding games, which I'm not a big fan of. But uh, they gave, like a goal, gave a goal with like a minute to go to tie it. Slovakia, mm-hmm. shout out Bezo. Slovakia was good at the end. Slovakia played pretty well at the end of the game. I knew they were going to score. I mean, they were all, once they pulled the goalie, they were just ripping shots on goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had no defense at that point. Mm-hmm. Had to they figure were, one was going to drop. Right? Yeah, you knew one was going to go. And then mm-hmm. McBain, obviously, will be back. Jack McBain will be back after Team Canada lost 2-0 uh, to Sweden. Um, so, BC, I'm not sure what the quarantine Period's going to look like. Obviously, Devin Levi will be coming back for Northeast as well, but they haven't said anything about if these guys are going to be able to play in the weekend series Friday, Saturday between Northeast and BC. I'd imagine they're going to be tired and jet-lagged. 
So they probably won't play. Mm-hmm. I'd yeah, imagine, it's a quick turnaround. Got a game in two days, and you know they probably just came back today realistically. So well, Michael Glovin only touched the ice once, so he's ready to go. He's uh-huh. ready to go. Definitely, <laughs> I didn't even play. So how is it McBain coming all the way back play, from but, China? Though it's a lot. Yeah, it is. It is tough, but they're probably they're probably eager to get on the ice because neither one yeah, really played at all. Levi didn't even touch the ice, which is ridiculous. Um, although here's the thing about Team Canada. They would have been a better team with Devin Levi in there. I understand you want to go with the experienced guy and everything, but Devin Levi was unreal all year for Northeastern. He did struggle in his last three games. Four of his last three of his last four games he struggled in before he went over um to, to, to the Olympics. But you gotta play Devin Levi, play the younger guy there. But you know, it's besides the point, I'm not rooting for Team Canada regardless, so it's all right. I'd be rooting for him, another team obviously Team USA losing his tough, sense. tough game. I know Dan was psyched. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was fired up to see that game. Slovakia, but uh mm-hmm. solid games though. Um anyway, let's move into Super Bowl talk, so... We oh, the game. Beanpot Final. We didn't even talk about oh, okay. Beanpot Final. We can, we can talk skis for a minute. Give us yeah, I, I got to talk skis. Come on. I, I, I deserve it. Um, devastating game for Northeastern. one nothing lost to Harvard. Um, TJ Semperfelder played very well again. Um, 94 saves and 98 shots his last three games. It's going to be very hard to see what Northeastern's going to do about Levi coming back. I personally am going to play TJ Semperfelder over Devin Levi. Levi, he, he was great all year, but his last... Two games he played at Northeastern. He gave seven goals in just about four periods of hockey to UMass Amherst, um, and then also gave up uh, uh, seven. Was it twelve goals in his last four games uh, before he left? He still has ninety-five percent save percentage on the year, which is impressive, giving up twelve goals in, in just about uh, ten periods of hockey. He saved one hundred six shots of one hundred eighty face in those in those four games, one hundred six of the one hundred eighteen. But it's going to be interesting to see what Northeastern is going to do there. Um, he's got eighty-nine percent save percentage over the last four games. Um, but it'll definitely be tough to see what they're going to do. Semperfelder played great, was the Eberle Award winner for Northeastern. Uh, obviously, um, was the Eberle Award winner for the whole tournament, but Northeastern's now third in the last three bean pots. Last four, that is, actually four. They Northeastern's been raking up the Eberle Awards with uh, Pantano getting one, Primo getting a couple, and now Semperfelder. But he played very well in the bean pots, 69 saves and 71 shots. He's the MVP for Northeastern. I don't think you can take him out of the net with how well he's played. He was lights out the whole bean oh, pot. Oh, great. I mean, shut he's down BC, shut down... BU till the very end. So. Yeah, one goal, I and I impressed. mean, this is BU who has been hot all year. Um, they, they they've really turned it on since November, but they've had 27 goals in their last six games before the Beanpot final. They've scored four goals or more in their last six games, six straight games, four goals or more, including six on UMass Amherst and five on Providence. They're a very good team. Uh, they've won all of their last six games by two goals or more, except for that 4-3 win against Harvard last week in the Beanpot semifinals. So Northeastern's playing defensively for a reason. Uh, 29 shots a goal for Harvard is still a good amount, but Northeastern also had a ton of blocks, 19 blocks. Um, they, they controlled the puck all game, BU, which was tough, and they were just ripping shots. And it seemed like Northeastern's game plan was to play defensive um, and slow down BU's offense. As I said they've been very hot. They haven't lost a game in regulation since November. 10-1 in the last 11 as well. So I think BC's, I mean, not BC, Northeastern's game plan was to play a defensive game. Not my favorite type. From Northeast, they can play defensive and also take shots on goal, but it seems like that wasn't their game plan for this game. They had 10 shots on goal in the third period, which was nice, but nine in the first two, which was definitely tough. But as I said, Northeast got a big decision coming up. Um, Semdefeld's been playing unreal. Uh, Levi was sensational all year. We know that. But TJ's been so good, and he's hot. Jerry Keefe's got to make a big decision there, and I don't know what the quarantine's going to look like. Maybe Northeastern won't even have to make a decision for this weekend, and Semdefeld's going to play both games against BC, but... It'll be interesting to see how it goes. He's only given up seven goals in the last... Uh, he's getting, Levi gave seven goals in the last two games, but Semperfeld's only given up uh, three now in his last two. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I mean, he's played great, as I said. Uh, four goals he's given up in three games. Played very good teams at BCU, Muscle and BU. Um, so we'll see. 69 shots saved on 71, faced, and, and the bean pop was electric. So it'll be a big decision uh, between that. But Northeast has got to get more shots on goal. Three from Aiden McDonough wasn't enough. Two from Colangelo and one from Gunnar Wagon and zero from Harris. you got to get more from them. Um, and then no Justin Ritz-Kobe was a big loss. Great face t- uh, face-off player. He wins just about 85% of face-offs he, he's in. So it's a big loss for Northeastern, obviously. But Northeastern doesn't have anything to be upset about. Three straight beanpot wins before this. Um, two of the last five hockey's championships. So heartbreaker, but got a lot to look forward to. Obviously a big game this weekend um, for BC and Northeastern, both. Both be a good mm-hmm. one, obviously. Um, Northeast yeah, should be has been hot in the hockey. East. BC's been mm-hmm. a little bit slow. Um, BC's been struggling a lot in the hockey East this season. What do you think? Uh, what's a prediction you've got uh, for that for that game? BC Northeastern. Uh, let's Both go. Games, Friday, Saturday, Fr- Friday night, Northeastern at home. BC's been struggling. I'll give the benefit of the doubt to Northeastern. I would always take my school BC in almost everything, but the hockey team this year, I'm just 
lost interest in uh, the way they played. Outside of the bean pot, the bean pot was electric. Um, so I would take Northeastern 4-2 Friday night. Wow. <laughs> Saturday night Didn't in front of the that. home crowd. Home crowd will be a little bit different, but that being said, the energy has been low from BC Hockey this year. My energy for BC Hockey this year has been low. Um, I feel like the school is more turning towards basketball this season. Um, you know, we've had a couple exciting close games. Close game against Duke last weekend was a lot of fun. Um, so, you know, we'll see how the crowd is. I don't think it'll be bad, but Saturday nights are also generally worse than Friday nights in terms of attendance. Uh, but I think BC can still pull it off. Um, you know, Liam Isaac's a guy who stepped up. Wouldn't be surprised to see him continue his hot streak and put in another goal. Um, hopefully the return of guys like McLaughlin and Hellison as well. Um, and putting that all together, I think BC can pull off a win, 3-2, 4-3. Uh, call it 3-2. So that's right. my prediction for this weekend. That'll be interesting. I mean, Northeastern's coming off, um, obviously, the Beanpot final loss to BU, which was tough, one nothing. But they got to come after a good 4-2 win at UMass Lowell on Friday night. Um, last Friday night, right before the Beanpot final, uh, me and Mark Walsh actually attended that game. Sick game. Uh, got to see a couple good goals, 4-2. Northeastern won that game. Um, very good game for Northeastern, uh, shots on goal-wise. Northeastern, they're very good in the power play, and only having 21 seconds of a power play in that being part final. Obviously, Harris had the penalty just at the end of the second period, which was tough, um, but in the first period, that was. But having a penalty uh, it, it, with within that last two minutes kind of killed Northeastern because they were going to start ripping shots and going for the end of the period, and then that kind of killed all the momentum, and the game plan was just to try to kill the power play that BU was going to get uh, for those 21 seconds. But uh, BC, obviously, if they get McLaughlin back, that'll be big, and Hellison. Uh, McBain, all big. And BC's only got two home games left after this. So, as you said, the crowd probably doesn't have many more games to see. But 5-10-3 um, in the Hockey East with BC. they got to start putting wins together if they want to compete. Um, there's still some time left, but not enough to obviously turn the full season around unless you're going to win the Hockey East. That's the only chance mm-hmm. to get into the tournament. Um, yeah, that's a tough bid right now. But you never know. Game. I mean, single elimination tournament, not, you know, hockey is just like that sometimes. You know, you get big upsets. So. We'll see. And you see what happened last year. We were the number one team in the country, and UMass Lowell came in and beat us, so you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, like you said, and Just Levi... Just matters who gets hot at the right time. Levi could be back for Northeast. I, personally, I'm keeping TJ Semperfelter in net. Played very well against BC already, um, but we'll see how it goes. Northeastern's 10-6 and won the Hockey East. Um, coming off that 4-2 win, as I said, against UMass Lowell. Uh, me and Mark got to see Julian Kislin's first goal as a Husky. It's actually his fourth year as a defenseman. Not a, a big offensive defenseman. He's very good defensively, very good mind for the game. Um, we got to get that on video, which was sick. Saw a couple of goals, Sam Colangelo, Tommy Miller. Tommy Miller's first goal of the year, actually, which is pretty cool, too. And then Ty Jackson as well, got an empty net. But me and Mark actually got the pleasure of meeting the whole Northeastern team uh, after the game, which was sick. Jordan Harris was a class act. Um, Sam Colangelo, Ada McDonough, uh, Ryan St. Louis, we got to talk about. Uh, his father actually getting the, the head coaching job uh, for the Canadians, which was sick. Um, we got to talk to Gunnawagan, Fontaine, the GOAT, and then also TJ Semperfelds, which was awesome, and then Jaden Struble. So... Very class act, uh, stand-up guys, which was great to meet them. Um, so it'll be a good game. I'm going to go 5-2 Northeastern on Friday and 4-2 on Saturday. I think if Levi's in net, as I said, he gave seven goals in his last four periods, basically, to UMass Amherst, and they're a very good team. But if he's in net, I'm uh, not saying I'm not confident in Northeastern, but I definitely think he you know, might be a little rusty now that he hasn't played in just about three weeks. So... Got to keep TJ in that, I think. It'd be a good game, though. But, yeah, should be a good game either uh, way. Looking forward to and it. And Dobbs giving up three goals in his last six games. At least three goals in his last six games. So, Northeastern's probably going to be lighting up shots of goal. They're going to be but The way he played in the bean pot, though, I mean, he looked just as good as anyone else in the Hockey East. I mean, not, you know, light. It's like, uh, no lights out guy like the way Centerfelder played, obviously. But Always the he played like an average Hockey East goalie. Yeah, the last it'll be a good games, game. So. It'll be a good game. And then Can't I'll be too frustrated with him. They'll get shots of goal. Sam Colangelo, fr- uh, sophomore. He has 15 points his last 11 games after his uh, injury that he that he got in November December. But 20 points in 19 games for him. He's going to be a big player to try to step back in and start scoring again. Obviously, he scored in just about every game except this last Beanpot final. But I'm sure he wants to score again. And then also Aiden McDonough's on a scoring drought. We need a goal from him. He missed an empty net in that UMass little game, which was tough. But hopefully get him going. Nice. And uh, should be a good one for Northeastern, I'm hoping. Shout out Mark Walsh again. Uh, we had a good time with both Beanpot games and also the UMass Lowell game. And then win both this weekend, Friday, Saturday. So five straight games That's in Northeastern Hockey. Roll skis, baby. All right. That'll be fun. All right, now we can get into Super Bowl talk. Um, so last Sunday night, I'm sure everyone knows already, uh, Super Bowl 56 went down in Los Angeles. Uh, the Rams versus the Bengals. The Rams took the game 23-20. I thought it was a pretty great game. Um, great halftime performance for sure. I was a big fan of that. I know a couple people thought it was a little much, and then some people absolutely loved it too. Oh, um, yeah, I thought it was great to watch. Um, honestly, a disappointing game for the Bengals. I thought they would come out 
with way more firepower on offense than they did. The way they looked against the Chiefs and the Titans the game before that, um, both of the second halves of those games, their offense is pretty much unstoppable. Uh, and, you know, for the Bengals in the second half, the only touchdown they ended up getting was that, uh, I think it was a 75-yard T. Higgins touchdown where he did get a face mask on Jalen Ramsey and uh, went uncalled. So, honestly, underwhelming second half from the Bengals for sure. I expected a lot more out of them. Uh, Joe Burrow, though, um, hung tough even though he might have torn his ACL. We'll see uh, the stati- uh, status of what's going on with his knee soon. I thought when he went down at first, I thought he was done for the game, but he didn't let the trainers take him into the tent and instead said, no, nah, I'm not leaving the game. Um, he stayed in, didn't really get any chance to run at the end of the game, um, just because you could tell he had no mobility left, but stood in the pocket, threw the ball, um, and the O-line kind of collapsed towards the end. So I think that's the biggest need for the Bengals right now going into the offseason. Um, but, you know, I mean, a lot of positives to take away from the Bengals, especially the way Joe Burrow, uh, Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins played, uh, despite lackluster O-line performance towards the end of the game. Uh, and then on the Rams side of the ball, honestly, uh, defensively, I thought they played solid. Um, Aaron Donald had that big play at the end of the game, but beyond that, I thought he was a little bit underwhelming as well. Um, and then on the offensive side of the ball, it was great to see Odell get a touchdown at the start of the game. Um, and then unfortunately he had the ACL injury, which is tough to watch. You know, he came back, um, so far from being in Cleveland and struggling down there. And now he's a Super Bowl champ. So that was fun to watch. And then Cooper Cup too, got open all game. Um, burned Eli Apple at the end of the game. So that was fun to watch. Um, Stafford as well, had a big game, three touchdowns, 283 yards. Um, so he was definitely deserving of that Super Bowl as well. I thought the way he played, um, showing poise down the clutch. Yeah, Stafford got his typical two picks, too. Luckily, none of them were too costly. Um, they still win the game, so you don't really care about them. But you knew he was going to turn the ball over a little bit. Uh, Burrow actually didn't turn the ball over at all. He actually had a good game for what it was worth. I mean, 22 of 33 was, wasn't was bad, especially with 260 yards and a touchdown. Um, his offensive line held up. Time, yeah. His offensive line held up in the first half, second half. They kind of fell apart at Donald. Two straight plays at the end. Um, Ramsey was actually awful the whole game. Um, I actually mm-hmm. was a big fan of Ramsey. I've always been saying he was great. Mike Curry I think he's right about I that. He's overrated. He is overrated. Mike Curry may be right about that. He, that he sucks. He gave 126 yards in the Super Bowl, which was ridiculous. I don't think. I don't know if you can count that T Higgins touchdown there. How long was that? That was 75 yards. Oh, he was in coverage. He was in coverage. I understand there was a play on face ground, mask yeah. and all that, but they, they didn't call that. a couple no calls. Ramsey was ripping uh, Jamar Chase in one of the plays that they didn't call. You know, the first quarter. Mm-hmm. So you know, there were a lot of no calls. The NFL. Must have said, don't comment on many penalties, and that's why they didn't really come up until the last two minutes of the game. But um, that must have been the game plan of the NFL to say no penalties or whatever. But Ramsey was awful. I mean, he was he was the worst player on that Rams defense. And I've actually been very high on him. I was actually disappointed in how bad he played. Um, I count that touchdown by uh, T. Higgins uh, as Ramsey, of course, even though it was a face mask. I mean, he let, he let T. Higgins get by him regardless. T. Higgins was getting by him either way. So that was a tough play uh, for him. But I don't think he would have gotten by, but... Oh, T, yeah, T was in a desert at least. If you, if you don't give him the touchdown, T's desert him. Um, but Cooper Cup, though, Super Bowl MVP, very deserving of that. Uh, nine catches, 92 yards, a touchdown, I believe. Um, was very two touchdowns he had, actually. But uh, he was really good, though. That last touchdown was actually big. Um, obviously, Odell had that other touchdown, which is great. Did Cooper have one touchdown, too? I think he had, he had one. two. He had two. Okay, two touchdowns, very good. Eight of 92 for two touchdowns, I think it was. Um, and that last touchdown was huge. Obviously, they got an extra few plays with the penalties on, on the Bengals' defense, which I don't know if I would call them all, especially since you didn't call penalties. I don't know if I would have called that first one on the, um, I think, can't remember his name, but the middle linebacker Logan for the Bengals. Thing, yeah. yeah, Logan yeah, Wilson. Yeah, Logan something. Um, Logan Wilson, I think it was. He yeah. was grabbing the jersey a little bit, but I don't think it was enough. I mean, I get that it's a penalty, but I don't think it was enough to warrant a call. You know what I mean? It just He was right there the whole time. Um, I thought that was a little bit of a weak call. The last two calls uh, down the stretch were definitely deserving, though. Um, but, you know, that first call really changed the game, I thought. I was a little frustrated with it, but, I mean, I can see how you can call that. There was obviously a little bit of contact. I just don't know if it was enough to make a big-time call like that when it's already yeah. third and goal. And that Can't change changed the game. game for the Rams. Can't change the game. But, obviously, the Rams' defensive line was a storyline for the whole game going into as the Bengals' offensive line versus that defensive line of the Rams. Um, obviously, Aaron Donald got in two straight plays at the end, came up clutch, wanted himself to get a ring, and then also said before the game, Rodney Harrison reported that this could be Donald's last year. Um, the NFL, if they were to win. Same thing with McVay, if they were to win. And Andrew Whitworth, I think everyone knew, was retiring anyways. But McVay and Donald were reportedly going to retire if they were to win. Uh, Donald said today that he's going back. He's going to play another season during their... Uh, I think he was just saying that, though, because everyone was chanting, let's have him for one more year. You know, that was when he was up on stage. Getting, I think he's uh, going to play one more. I think I, he'll play one I more. I think he'll retire on top, but we'll see. I just think 
in a situation he wasn't going to say he's going to retire right there at the Super Bowl parade. I don't know. I, mean, time. I feel like him saying he was going to retire. I, at first, I thought I was like, oh, yeah, maybe he will. But then I think he's only like 29 years old, 28 years old. I think he played another couple seasons if he wanted to. And he doesn't even have Plenty serious injuries. Plenty of players have done that, though. He doesn't have serious injuries. All those other guys did. Navarro Bowman mm-hmm. and uh, still Andrew is he Willis, Luke Keekley, Andrew Luck. I mean, it's the most physical position injuries. on the field. I mean, you can still get you know long-term uh, I get that, but Donald has never had a big injury at all, if any. I don't think he's had mm-hmm. any of them. To my it's still a physical game any. that can... You know, change the course of the rest of your life. So if he wants to retire early, I wouldn't blame him. Um, you know, quit while you're ahead, and no better way to do it than right after the Super Bowl. I just think the way he was talking about it before, and then how badly he wanted to win this. Um, you kind of see how emotional he was after the game. It seemed like he knew that he made it to the mountaintop, and this was it for him. That's all he wanted to do. Yeah. Because I mean, and to be honest, too, all the defensive player of the years he's won. Um, now being a Super Bowl champ, there's not really much left for him to prove. He's constantly into the conversation for defensive player of the year he's known as the best d tackle in football um so i really don't think there's anything left for him to prove now and i think he knows that i think he'll play one more maybe two but it'll be interesting to see obviously it's the eighth straight nfl game uh that was a one possession game down to the last minute down to the last drive as i always say the nfl loves that that's all they want um i'm sure they they were psyched with all the views that they got um from everyone obviously tuning in and super was obviously a big always a big thing but knowing that every game the nfl and just about every game in the playoffs, everything was a one-score game after the wild card round. Everything, the division round and after, everything was a one-score game down to the last second. Uh, everyone's obviously glued to their seats watching. Um, the NFL loves that. They obviously know they can get a lot of views, so I'm sure they were psyched about that. But Odell, sure. as you said, played very well. It, it, besides that injury, obviously, before it, he was two catches, 52 guys on the touchdown. I was psyched. I was a Giants fan. Never wish ill upon Odell. I know some Giants fans aren't fans of him. I don't know why. He was the only thing we really had to root for for the five or six years he was in, in New York. He was our only thing that we really had. So, so happy for Odell. He finally got a ring. He deserved it more than anyone, um, especially all the adversity he's faced. And, and it obviously didn't work out with the Giants and the Browns. It was just it was a mess for him. So I'm happy everything worked out for him now. And I'm hoping he still gets some money. Obviously, I don't think he's going to play a full season next year. Probably play like six games maybe next year and with obviously the rehabbing and everything. Yeah, but, we'll see. I think there's a good chance he could be back by late October, early November next year. I'd say like maybe November, yeah. I'd probably play five games. And if that... Would be it wouldn't be a bad so thing for him just to months, be able to play. Eight months from now is October. He's tore it already, though. That's the problem. That's the thing. Yeah. Which makes me think it's gonna be longer. Could be like ten months. So in that case, maybe miss the whole season. Who knows? But um, mm, we'll see how I it goes. Um, the Super Bowl commercials are always the big thing, and this year there weren't too many great ones. I like the Sopranos one. Uh, I was a fan of that one, and then also the football movies one where they show Little Giants and Invincible and The Longest Yard and The Best of Times, and then they had Ronnie Lott, cool. Marcus Allen. Uh, Ronnie Law tackling someone too I thought was sick and they showed Peyton Manning the David Tyree catch I thought that was pretty cool it was probably the best commercial in my eyes just because uh, it really culminated football and movies and culminated football in real life put that all together I thought that was sick um, but not too many great commercials mm-hmm. I usually are some but I think it's gone weak I mean, yeah beyond that it was all kind of crypto technology it was a lot of weird commercials I thought yeah, you know, there was that one uh, Coinbase one it was just the QR code bouncing around in the corners for 30 seconds yeah, um, that was nuts. That, that was, was odd. I mean, got everyone's attention, though. Everyone was saying, what's that? Yeah, that was odd. Um, but mm-hmm. one one thing that confused me, Real actually, was the Bengals' season coming down to the line. They give him the ball. Samaji P. ran a third down and then throw into him on fourth. I think Burrow just threw it him because that was the only thing he could see. But trying to give Samaji P. run the ball on third and one with your season on the line. You're in the Super Bowl, dude, and you hand the ball to Samaji P. run. What are they thinking? Mm-hmm. What are they yeah, thinking? Yeah, that was a tough play. And then throw into him on give fourth down, too. Give him a mix down, in. Too. Who cares? If they know I don't the know ball, why he ball, didn't try to dive for that ball Close to impossible to catch, but you know, it was right there by his feet by the time it landed on the ground. Yeah, so. I saw the other angle, and it was a little bit further from him. Uh, they turned to the NFL. The, Chris mm-hmm. Collinsworth and Al Michaels probably should have, you know, told their, you know, the broadcasters, I mean, the producers to at least turn the camera angle so you could see that back end. Because I guess, you know, it was a lot of room in front of him, and, and uh, the throw wasn't really that close from the side end. Mm-hmm. It looked like he could have had it. I think he also thought he didn't have the first down, so you can kind of tell by the way that he didn't want to go down and try to stay running. I don't think he realized that he was ahead of the first down marker already. Yeah, um, it was tough, though. Um, on that same play, though, it was tough. Him, last play, um, though. Outside, Jamar Chase burned Jalen Ramsey and was wide open about 50 yards downfield. Um, but yeah, Joe Ramsey, Burrow just didn't have the time. That's why I think Ramsey had a bad game. You look at that play. That could have been another 65, 70 yards on that. 60 yards on that. Like, he had I did say Ramsey really bad game. Ramsey had a really bad game, I think, um, especially for a superstar like him. I've always been very high on him. I never spoke negatively of him. But after that I've game, always I, said he was overrated. I kind of saw that he wasn't uh, that great. Um, but you had him at the top five in your defensive picks last week, though. We both did. Um, as a top five player in the NFL on defense. Um, but tough game for him. I, I don't know what happened, but clearly they weren't game planning for over-the-top players like T. Higgins, and then Jamar Chase probably would have won the game on that. But mm-hmm. it was a tough game tough for to the Bengals, but hey, they had a great season, a lot to look forward to, and obviously the offensive line is something they got to fix. 
maybe trades a couple of your assets. If you, you know, I don't know if in the draft any some guys will be there at thirty one, but you know, you still gotta figure things out. And mm, yeah, they'll probably most likely have to go the free agent route. Um, they need some experience up there. Yeah, I mean, all they really need is one or two more pieces in there. Maybe draft Zion Johnson from BC. I think he'd be a great pickup for that team. I think he's right ready to play in the NFL. Yeah, right guard, hopefully. Um, yeah, he's turned a lot ahead. So, honestly, he could go higher than 31. I wouldn't be surprised to see him taken in the early 20s, uh, somewhere around the 20s in the draft. Um, but I don't see him falling anywhere further than the first few picks of the second round. So, he could be right there in the Bengals spot for the taking. I did see one mock draft where he's going 21 to the Pats, um, which would be super cool to see him play for New England. I've been a big fan of him. I think he's probably the best guard in the draft. That's what a lot of people are saying right now. Um, so it'll definitely be really cool to see where he ends up. Yeah, it'll be cool. I think I want him on the Giants at 37. If he's there, I want him, but see if he falls there. I'm not sure if he will be. Probably the border of end of first round, early second. Usually right where that break happens where the end of the first round comes and then the beginning of the second round, people are always trading up for guys that should have been first round picks. Um, so I'm sure some team maybe will trade up 33, 34 and try to get him. He's there at 37. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Giants got to hammer that pick and get him, but See how that goes. I think he's a very good player, obviously. Um, after he transferred to BC, was a starter all three years, and it was great. Obviously, Adazio was a big fan of him. Didn't get up a single sack this year. Yeah, was impressive, he was elite. So. Mm-hmm. He was elite. I, think, I think it'll be interesting to see where he goes. Probably the combine will play a role in that. Played very well in the senior bowl, but the combine will play at least some role in where he goes. Maybe he'll go from 32 to 30 and then to 25, depending on how he does in the combine. He's definitely going to move up, I think, but it depends on how much. Guys mm-hmm. always do everything. Yeah, he just keeps turning heads every time. So. We'll see, but he's going to see where he ends up. Mm-hmm. Uh, now let's move into some Celtics talk so last Thursday we were talking about the trade deadline on the podcast um, a couple of moves that I did not see coming at all one being the Celtics acquiring Derek White from the Spurs um, despite the fact that we had to give up a decent amount with Josh Richardson, Romeo Langford, a first round pick I really like the move, I think Derek White's a great piece to this team he's a guy that when he gets the ball he just makes a decision he doesn't hold the ball and dribble and think about it he just makes a decision and goes he plays hard, um, you know, loose balls he still wants on top of. He's a great defender, I think. He really is someone that we need um, alongside Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, who have turned into more of offensive weapons. Um, you know, I think he complements Smart in the backcourt perfectly. I think, you know, we have the best defensive backcourt in the NBA right now. Um, and that closing lineup that we've been playing of Smart, White, Tatum, Brown, Williams has been pretty much unstoppable. Um, I mean, you see that the Celtics won nine games in a row now. We beat the Sixers by 48 last night. Um, that was a great game to watch. Uh, everyone played really well. Tatum had 28. Jalen had 29. Um, and Derek White's been a glue guy. He had a little bit of an underwhelming shooting light uh, shooting night last night, 11 points, uh, four from nine from the field. Actually not horrible. Uh, but he actually had a plus 41 when he was on the court, uh, and that just shows – you know, how hard he plays, and he's always just trying to make the winning play, and that's what uh, Popovich always talked. Uh, when Popovich would always talk about Derek White, he always spoke very highly of him, saying he's a winning player, and Ime Odoka, the Celtics coach, having coached under Pop, knew who Derek White was and knew what he was about, and that's why they brought him in. Um, and I really think he's moved us into a contending spot, um, along with a couple other roster changes we've made, including trading for Daniel Tice, who also had a solid uh, solid night last night. He played a good amount of minutes, 20 um Scored five points, uh, four blocks, which is impressive as well. So great to see him back in green. Um, I think I wouldn't say we're a contending team yet. I still think we have some some uh, ways to go. I, I think if we play the six in a seven-game series with James Harden healthy, I don't think it would be that result. I don't think it would be that easy. I don't think the six is We wouldn't win by 50. I'd still, I'd still the take sixes. the Celtics. I'd favor the sixes. Embiid, playoffs, I don't, I don't think we'd – I mean, we have in the past, but, but I don't think this year. We've beaten him. James Harden's Rockets plenty of times with the same group. I'm talking uh, Embiid and him, though. Embiid's averaged, he averaged 35 a game over the month of January. Our defensive backcourt, though, is different now. you got Smart and Derek White. Two Tatum never gets back up defense. But if we're talking just Embiid and – I think I think I'm saying Harden. as a team though that team likes to run the court when they're hot. Sixers obviously didn't the other yesterday because I mean they got blown out, but they do like to run the court when they are hot. Um, David I still think the Celtics are the Sixers. I still think the Sixers are the better team. I don't know, but uh, Derek White, yeah, it was a good acquisition. Still in the shot great from the field, forty percent right now in his three games with the Celtics. Um, average thirteen a game right now with the Celtics, but um, I think it was a good acquisition. I didn't want to trade Romeo Langford, even though obviously. That's what it costed, you know. That's what the cost is. Obviously, Celtics mm-hmm. would do that, but I, I think it was the right time him. to trade Romeo. As much as I think he's going to be a great player one day, I just don't yeah, think he's great too. Sitting behind Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, he's never going to turn into that player that he could be. Um, obviously, it would hurt to see 
pop tournament to the next Kawhi or something that some people are speculating. Um, but I mean, either way, he'll be a solid two-way player in San Antonio, and it stinks to see him leave. But I think the value that we got from Derek White makes it worth it. Yeah, I mean, I like Derek White. I do think, though, when he shot 2 of 10 in that Hawks game, when the Celtics stop doing their, like, O of 18s, him, Tatum, and Brown are just going to be throwing shots up and, and mm-hmm. could be ugly. I he mean, never takes bad shots, though, because he... He was open on a lot of them. He's got to yeah. make those. Though. Come on, 2 of 10 from 3. I could do better. He's got to mm-hmm. hit at least 3 or 4 or 5 of those. Five yeah, but everyone has an off night. So, I mean, what has he played? 3, 4 games now, so... Yeah, can't really read too of, much into one game. He's, he's 5 of 20 from 3 right now. Though, even so. with the Spurs that you know have had a horrible offensive year, he still shot, I want to say, 32%, and that's been better in years past uh, when they've been better. And I think putting him alongside you know, a better starting lineup of Tatum and Brown, um, he's not going to be the focal point of the defense, so he'll have a better time getting open looks. And we've already started to see that in some of these games you know, against the Sixers, Hawks, uh, and the shots will start falling. Yeah, I mean, 5 of 20 from 3, though, that's, that's a concern especially with the Celtics they've been hot right now shooting but like you, you know you're not gonna stay this hot all season uh you're gonna have your O of 18 nights and the other against the Rockets before and um, even last week we had a game mm-hmm. we were O of 18 from three at one point we ended up still winning or over 18 from the fields whatever it was those um, nights happened but I mean in the last what is it seven games we've only given up more than 100 points once and that was to the Nuggets um so yeah our defense has actually been stellar the last few games um everyone's been playing a little bit harder we've been making more hustle plays and I think the acquisition of Derek White has played a role in that for sure. I still worry. I don't think we're going to beat the Nets in a seven-game series, the Sixes, Bucks. I don't think we're good enough to beat any of them. So I'm not going to say we're a contender because right now I favor all three of those teams against us. Which I, I, I would still take. I would favor the Nets. The Nets with Simmons. Right if Simmons comes back and plays how he could, and you know gets over what you know how he played in the playoffs last year, um, obviously the next Nets would be the favorite there. Bucks would be the favorite as well as the defending champs. Sixers, though, I really don't think they're all that. Um, I mean, Embiid and Harden will be a great duo together, but still, I personally think, I mean, Harden's obviously a great player, but I think he's a little overrated. I've always said that. Um, I don't think he's going to be ready for you know those big-time moments in the playoffs. We haven't really seen that before, besides when he had Chris Paul on his team in 2018. Um, I mean, you saw the way that he played against uh, the Celtics last year in the playoffs. Um, he was abysmal next to Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant really carried the Nets through the whole playoff series. Uh, and we've always given Philly the business in the playoffs. You know, we played them in the bubble and swept them. Uh, we played them in the Eastern Conference semis in 2018, beat them 4-1. And that was with Simmons and Embiid that year. Um, so, you know, I'm not too worried about Philly just yet. They've had the upper hand on us most of the regular season this year, but that's how it usually goes for whatever reason. And then once playoff time comes, um, you know, Embiid's always been the only guy out there for them. And we'll see what happens with Harden, but I wouldn't expect him to totally changed the game for Philly. Um, the one reason, another thing I don't think we're a contender, I mean, the nine teams we've played are all, for the most part, besides the Heat, are a good team, and the Sixers, the Nets without the everyone, they're not good, the Nuggets, but, I mean, you beat the Hornets, the Heat, beat the, the Hawks. Pelicans, the Hawks are not a good team either, I mean, the Sixers were good, but obviously last night they didn't have a great night, the Nets, without everyone, they're not good, the Pistons aren't good, Hornets aren't good, Magic aren't good, I mean, that's the thing. Still, I don't we've, think... we've had some off nights, like last week, Detroit, um, I mean, we had a pretty poor shooting night, and then even the Hawks last week, we didn't shoot well at all, and you know our defense really held yeah, it together. And but you're not going to play those teams in the playoffs. Those nine te- those, those nine games, you really only played three or four good teams. No, but play we them. would play teams like more like the Sixers, Nuggets. Um, even Magic could be a low seed team. Um, you know the way they've been playing the last few games, um, but definitely the Sixers and Nuggets. Hawks as well have shown some flashes in the last couple of weeks. I'd say um, Heat, Nuggets, and Six are the only good teams we beat. But the Nets, without everyone, they're not a good team. Like, but still, stringing, team stringing all those wins together in a row, no good team would be able to do that even against bad teams. I'm not saying it's 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 not a good thing to win nine in a row. Of course, you want to win nine in a row, especially no matter what your schedule is. I just think it might overrate the Celtics a little bit. They might think they're going to win the NBA Finals now. Just keep winning games. I, yeah, you know, I'm not saying we're going to move to as the NBA championship May. favorite, but... I definitely think we're going to go up. Hopefully, see us turn into a three or four seed and you know, actually be able to contend for the East. Still um, six right now. You know, moved up. Two weeks ago, probably two or three weeks ago as of today, I had no faith in us um, getting to the Eastern Conference Finals, but the game has changed completely. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, though. But, yeah, we beat the Pistons, Magic, you know, Hornets, Nets. They're all below us in the, in the seedings right now. Nuggets, um, Sixers. The Nuggets, I mean, the Nuggets are 32 and 20. Are they good? But... Nuggets and Sixers and the Heat are the only good teams we beat. So that's the reason I was Still impressive wins, though, in all three in a row. I mean, we never would have seen this a month ago. So I'm going to say it's a good thing. The I just culture think of the team is different now. A little over, we could be a little overrated once the time comes. We're going to have a cold night. I mean, who knows? The Pistons I don't disagree that we could like, be a little overrated winning nine in a row, but 
still got to celebrate that and just enjoy where we are right now. It's been a tough season, so so glad to see uh, nine wins in a row. Yeah, we'll no see how it goes, but um, I do think we have a little ways to go for being a contender, but see how it goes. As, as, as I've said before, I don't think you're going to win any championship with Tatum and Brown together on the same team. you got to pick one, and I'd pick Jalen, but we've had that argument before, but I don't think we're going to win mm. with these two guys. I think you just have to build the right team around them, and everyone's we've starting tried. to realize that. Five years. We've, we've never got actual pieces to sit around them. What Ken we had? tried. Gordon Hayward tried. Al Horford tried. We don't need another scorer. Uh, That's Terry, the issue. Terry Rozier, we the issue is we've always four. had scorers next to them, and now Kemba. we're adding pieces like Daniel Tice and Derek White, guys that you, know, you don't need to have the ball, uh, give the ball to the whole game. Um, you know, are defensive-minded players um, that fit well within you know the Celtics system, and I think Derek White's the great a great acquisition for that reason. Not just because I think. You know, he's a guy that's going to shoot lights out or lock someone up, but he's a perfect fit in our offense and defense. Yeah, I think obviously Pavlovich, that was his favorite player too. It must have been hard to get rid of him, but I think obviously Pavlovich, knowing this was his last year, um, he probably wanted him to be able to go to a team where he can actually play on a good team. So, or at least a better team than the Spurs. Obviously, the Spurs were really strong. They beat us this year twice, which mm-hmm. that was a tough game. I was at that one in January. Um, inconsistent shooting night all night long, and then all of a sudden we're down two points with six or something seconds left. Spurs inbound the ball. Jalen Brown steals it, goes all the way down the court, and misses the layup as time expires. Uh, super frustrating game. We we're below 500 at that point, too. So glad to see us turn the season around so far. Yeah. I mean, Mark Walsh got a quick text, and he said, People overrated the Pages for their winning streak against bad teams, which was true. I mean, I was saying here live on air when they won that four game, five game winning streak when they played the Browns without Kareem Hunt or Nick Chubb, and then played the Titans at the right time without Derrick Henry. Uh, they were avoiding a lot of the good teams at the right time. Um, they're playing a lot of the teams and avoiding all their best players at the right time. I think the Celtics might be in a similar thing right now. They're getting hot, playing teams that aren't that great. Obviously, when it comes to playoff time, April, May, that's when things matter most, but I still think the Celtics team has a ways to go. Still good just to build confidence for the team, start getting some wins, and I mean, consistently, too. That's been the biggest issue is consistently picking up wins, so it's good to see at least, you know, just as a confidence boost at the least. Yeah, I mean, regardless if you think these are bad teams or not, um, I mean, win against teams like the Nuggets, the Heat, um, and the Sixers are no easy feat, so especially all in a row. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. It'll be interesting. But uh, now we can move on to some BC basketball talk at a tough loss against Duke on Saturday at Conti Forum. It was a great game, though, electric. Obviously, Duke fans always, always travel well, just like Clemson football fans. Mm-hmm. Um, but Good showing from BC, Duke. too, surprisingly. Um, I actually thought it, was, I thought it was closer to 50-50 in that stadium compared to the Syracuse game last week, which was a lot of orange in the stands. Um, students really showed out this game. Um, both sides of Conti behind the baskets were packed. Um, so, you know, it was a lot of fun. Obviously a tough game, losing 72-61 to 61 in that one. Uh, Paolo Bonchero, um, probably the unanimous number two player in this coming NBA draft. Uh, you know, he did what he was going to do, scored 16 points, uh, 14 rebounds. We didn't really have an answer for him. BC tried to throw a lot of different defenders on him, like DeMar Langford, uh, TJ Bickerstaff before he got hurt. Um, you know, just everyone on the team took some turn at guarding him, but he's just so big, so athletic, and has great range, too, so it's just impossible to keep up with him. Um, so we knew he was going to get his, and he did. Um, I thought the first half was honestly great. We kept it a two-point game most of the first half. Duke started to pull away a little bit at the end of the first half, um, taking a nine-point lead into the half, but really considering the way that we shot, um, let me pull it up. We had shot 8% from three. That was abysmal. Um, yeah, and only losing by 11, I mean, it just shows, I think, Earl Grant's culture and how hard this team plays and, you know, that defense comes first and then everything else follows. Um, that's really what I love to see with the, about this team. Yeah, so. I think Duke fans travel. I wouldn't say it was 50. I'd probably say it was like 30, 70 because Duke had the whole, both uh, upper sections uh, up top with the general admission as they had both of those filled. Um, and they travel well. I mean, mm-hmm. like 30, 70, 25, 75 would actually still be okay for BC, I guess, since considering Duke's actually a good team. Up against probably the most popular basketball well. team. They travel well. BC is now one and four in their last five. We knew this was going to happen once they played ACC games. They played Holy Cross and and Dartmouth mm-hmm. and Fairfield. These aren't easy ACC games though. Move. If we look uh, at their schedule, we lost to Duke, Syracuse, um, Virginia, UNC, and then we beat Pitt. Um, I mean, those are all top tier ACC teams. So it's not. And we also played all these teams close too, losing by 11, 12, 9, and eleven. So we I mean, lost the loss though. At the end of the day, is how I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is this is much different than a Jim Christian team that would have lost by forty in a couple of these. Yeah, games. Yeah, I think at the end of the day we're gonna end up probably the six win record in the ACC, which actually be all right. I know we have a lot of ACC games left. Yeah, and I, I think that's a win for this team if we can get six win ACC wins because of all the players that left. So and, you the know, the year, yeah. new coach. Um, you know, we had guys like Jay Heath, T.J. Felder leaving the team, who are two big starting pieces for us in years past. 
Um, they're not really bringing in any highly talented recruits besides Gianni Thompson, who hasn't really played much. Played a little bit during the Duke game, guarded Paolo Bonchero for a little bit. I think he's going to be a good piece in the future. Um, seems like a solid player on offense, and I think defense is a work in progress for him, but that should definitely become. He has a good frame at 6'8", um, decently athletic, so I'm excited to see him develop and progress in the future. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's what I said at the start of the season, too, that I said, I think we can get to six or seven wins, and that'll be good for this team. You know, this team was unanimously written as the worst team in the ACC before the season started. All the preseason polls had us last. Um, so I think even coming close in a lot of these games and then beating teams like Pittsburgh, Virginia Tech, and Clemson is something to be proud of. Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, shoot 8% from three. They only shot, took 12 threes. They usually take more than that. Um, took 12 threes, one of 12 from three. Actually, impressively, we had more steals, 11 steals compared to five, and then the nine turnovers we had, they, they had 13. Yeah, we forced so a lot of turnovers, actually. The defense played really hard. Um, got to see uh, Daniel Jones' brother play, actually, Bates Jones. Got seven minutes on the court. Um, had a couple rebounds, which is pretty cool, too. Um, and also Coach K's last game at Conte Forum. So, obviously, Duke fans traveled mm-hmm. well. They traveled well because, obviously, it's farewell to Yeah, he got a nice standing ovation at the end. Um, but I do think, fans. I think with BC basketball played, it's probably similar to BC football. We play easier teams at the beginning of the year. Everyone thinks, oh, you know, probably going to be a better team this year, which we, we've improved. Don't get me wrong. But I think this team has its ways to go in the ACC, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to struggle. We took a step in the right direction. The next now. couple of years. And then. Maybe two years from now, maybe make a difference. But mm-hmm. did take a step in the right direction. But I do think when, they be, when we beat Holy Cross and Dartmouth and Fairfield, everyone thinks, you know, oh, you know, we could be really good this year when we're playing, you know, group of five teams, if that. I mean, I don't think Fairfield's even I wouldn't say that, team. just off those three teams. Um, but then we BC played... BC football, we were 4-0 when everyone thought we were in the national championship. Mm-hmm. You know that. Yeah, everyone that thought we were BC football is different. But this, I mean, you play Dartmouth, it doesn't really mean anything if you win. If you lose, that's a different story. But yeah, if I you think, win, it's just expected. I think playing easy teams being a year will help our record, obviously. Now that we're 9-14, and 14, if you don't play those three easy teams, you actually play a couple tougher mm-hmm. teams. I mean, you'd probably be like 6-16. I mean, and 16. Most ACC teams at a conference games at the start of the season are just, you know, whoever you can get to play you. Um, yeah, I mean, the bigger teams are going to win no matter what. I mean, BC so we still had some big games anyone. after that, twice against Rhode Island and then game against Utah, South Florida. Albany. <laughs> that was tough. Tough loss there. Um, but yeah, we were at that one at Conte. Um, I tough. do think we've improved. I do think we've improved as a team, but I do think it would take a couple years for the record to show that maybe. Um, but yeah, I think 9-14 right now is okay, I guess, considering mm-hmm. we're in the ACC playing. Just the way this team fights is a lot different than it did in the past. I mean, you know, not losing by more than 12 points in our last four ACC games against top-tier teams. Um, that's definitely a step in the right direction because we saw games with Jim Christian last year. We lost to Syracuse by 40-something. Um, you know, that was really hard to watch. Um, you know, this team, they stay alive in every game somehow despite bad shooting performances, even against Duke. What did you say? We took 12 threes in 12, one, one. one of two, yeah. One mm-hmm. of and we had Brevin Galli. What did he shoot? He, had, he must have taken oh, eight threes or something. Oh, yeah, I was going to say. Um, I mean, if he played like he did against Clemson, even if he had three three-pointers, it's a totally different game. Um, and I think oh, moving so forward, that's, that. yeah, I don't know. He's looked really mm-hmm. cold. Um, either way, I respect the confidence. And obviously if we had a shooter, um, you know, that was consistent in making his shots, I think that would make all the difference for this team. And, you know, moving into the future with two four-star recruits next year, one of them, DJ Hand, who's, um, a prolific scorer, great shooter. I think he can make a big difference in the court next year and shooting is something BC's lacked for a long time. So I think. The addition of that, um, him moving forward, is something Earl Grant knows and BC fans as a whole know um, is something we need. So I think the way we've been playing is definitely a step in the right direction because, um, you know, with a lack of talent with Jay Heath and CJ Felder leaving, um, the one thing you can guarantee is defensive effort, and we've definitely seen that this year. Um, since that Clemson game, though, I mean, I, I don't think I've ever seen a play this cold as Brevin Galloway is right now. And the Following game, he was 0 of 5 from the field, 0 of 5 from 3, 1 of 9 from the field, 1 of 7, 0 of 4, 2 of 8, 2 of 14, 3 of 8. He shoots 7% from 3 over his last seven games, which is wild. Um, I've never seen a player that cold, I don't think, ever, really. He's averaged four points in his last seven games after, obviously, playing really well in that Clemson game, then even playing um, pretty good in that game right before Georgia Tech and Pitt had 18 in that Georgia Tech game, then 18 in that Clemson game, and has only... Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was feeling himself those games. But then again, he's still dealing with his torn meniscus. Um, you can see the way he moves around the court. He's a little bit slow on defense. 26 points in his last seven games. Wow. Shooting can definitely use an improvement. Um, he's an extremely streaky shooter. But then again, he's still the heart and soul of this team. I think all the guys love him. Um, you know, you look at his Instagram, everyone's still commenting, keep shooting, bro. We love you, that kind of thing. I want him um, to keep shooting. If he's going 0 of 5, 0 of 7, 0 of 4, 0 of 3, 2 of 7, 1 of 12. You need someone to take shots like that, though. 
You need good shots, though. He takes a lot of the one-footed sometimes and off-balance. No, not that bad. The Duke he game, takes off-balance ones. He did. And probably then, six of those eight game. shots were good looks. Syracuse game took multiple off-balance threes. Multiple. Took a couple questions. He takes a couple questionable ones, but the majority of his shots are open shots. And I don't like his energy, but we've I seen him light it up before. Shots. And the way he played at Charleston too, we know he's a shooter. It's just I mean, I've seen him play. He's, he's very streaky. This, but I don't think I've ever seen him play this cold seven percent from three. Mm-hmm. That's why he's got to keep his confidence up there. He knows where he's been. We know where he's been. Um, and it's just a matter of time before he turns it back around and you know helps us start winning games again. He's actually in the starting lineup tonight. We'll see how he's doing. Uh, BC's actually beating Notre Dame right now, forty-one to thirty-nine with a minute and a half left. He got the starting nod tonight. He has six points, um, two for six from the field right now. Um, so, I mean, a little bit of a step up from Duke. Um, so we'll see how that game goes. We'll keep you guys updated. Right now, both Jaden Zachary and Makayash and Langford are leading the team with 10 points. Um, and then on the Notre Dame side of the ball, um, Goodwin has 18 points. And actually, Prentice Hub, the leader of that team, has zero right now. So I wonder who's locking him up right now. Yeah, he had 15 against BC when they last played at Conte at the beginning of the year. Um, BC actually won that game by 16, which is a big win then. Notre Dame was only 3-4 and four then, and now they've become a really good team in the ACC. I think yeah, they're, they're an ACC they contender are. right now. They're 11-3. I think they're they beat Kentucky, they too, which is a huge out-of-conference win. But uh, we'll see how it goes. We do have some time. We have about 13 minutes left, so if anyone wants to call in, give me a text at 617-596-3150. 617-596-3150 to let me know if you want to call in. Um, we've ran through everything. We've already... Had plans, so we'll obviously keep covering the BC game. Um, but if you want to call in, talk about anything we've already discussed, or give us any questions you've got, call in, let me know. Absolutely, yeah, we'd love to have you guys on. Um, yeah, we can keep talking some BC hoops, though. Um, I want to spend a minute just to talk about some of the recruiting Earl Grant's done. I've been super psyched, um, been looking into that, and I really think this program's taking the right step um, towards the future. Um, Two big names coming into school next year, one being DJ Hand, who I talked about earlier, prolific scorer. I definitely think will help the shooting of the team. The other being, this is why I want to bring this up today, he was just nominated for Mr. Basketball in Minnesota, um, Prince of Lake Bay, out at Minnehaha Academy. Um, absolutely elite athlete, great defender, um, You know, can jump out of the gym, super athletic, super excited to have a guy like him back on the heights. Um, you know, because we've kind of lacked athletic small forwards over the last couple of years, and I definitely think it'll be a big step up uh, at that position. So definitely excited to see that moving forward. Yeah, see how it goes. Obviously, mm-hmm. recruiting is a big thing, especially in the ACC. you got to be a good recruiter. But um, Mike Curley said he's interested in calling in, so I'll see what we got from him. Let's go. Could use a, use a good one from the guru, sports guru. Mike Curley's, uh this might be his third or fourth call in now. Always a pleasure having him come on. Um, as I said, we ran through everything we already did, so we wanted to discuss about any discuss anything we already ran through, give us any questions. Um, then we got Mark Walsh calling it after. We can, we'll run it. We got a couple call-ins. We got a couple. We'll Mark, Mark, go. Mike Curley first, and then we'll go Mark Walsh for the end. Let's go. Sounds good. Call Mike Curley right now. See how it goes. FaceTime audio. Here we go. There he is. Mike Curley. Here he is, the sports guru, calling back in. Talks everything sports. Kid knows everything college. Knows everything professionally. Here he is. How are we doing, Mike? What's going on, Mike? All right. What's up, guys? What's up? Uh, I was just volunteering in case nobody else was stepping out, but you oh, know, thank you. Mark stepping up to the plate finally. Hey, he's coming in yeah, right after you. We'll, we'll give you. We'll give appreciate you some time. What do you think? Yeah, so easy, easy take. I've heard. Um, I think Zach was saying that he thought Jalen Ramsey was the best cornerback in the NFL. Obviously, you know, long-standing opinion of mine is that he he's really massively good. overrated. Uh, team traded two first-round picks for the guy. And all he did was get dusted on national TV in front of 118 million people all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I know you're not a fan of him. I mean, the position as a whole is down across the NFL. There's no more Chad Bailey's out there, but that guy just, oh my goodness. You're not a fan of him. I know you've, mm-hmm. you've never been a fan of him, though. I don't know. What they paid for Von Miller? That, that was the guy. I mean, he got another couple sacks. He's Von Miller had a big game. He had beast. two sacks, yeah. He's going to be a Patriot this year, I heard, so it's going to be great. Yeah, all right. Easy Can't there. Wait. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> Easy, Jude on them. Yeah, all right. Yeah, all right. Crazy. You're, you're dreaming there. Moshin, let's hear it. Yeah, they need mm-hmm. that going. Yeah, they need some energy on offense. Ah, uh, easy there. You know TJ Sutterfeld is the goat. Relax. Igor Shosturkin, who had a questionable uh, trip to the 
to the medical room there. He's supposed to be 15 minutes in the quiet room after a concussion. He came out after about two and a half. <laughs> Uh-oh. So, They're breaking protocol. Uh-oh. Swayman, I think, you know, hindsight 2020 on Rask. It looks like Rask did him a favor, let him take the spotlight back. Yeah, no, how, how, how do you think the Bruins are going to do in the second half of the season? Obviously, the uh, All-Star break just happened. Big deadline. I think you got to trade and go uh, go all in. Trade all the young guys to get some get some horses, you know. JT Miller and get yeah, some Canucks. Hey. Guy out oh, yeah. Vegas is, they got some cap issues. They're trying to bring Eichel back. I think he's playing tonight. What about oh, Godhead? Wow. But he makes Godhead. Uh, get him in. Godhead is going to be a lot. Get him in. Oh, you can get him for anything. Yeah, why not? Get him in. Oh, he's better than DeBrusque. He's been playing better than DeBrusque. You have him in fantasy. You have him in fantasy, so you know he's nice. Yeah, I do have him in fantasy. You know, he had five games one week, so. But. Yeah, he's been good, though. He had, he, had, he had a good run of point streak, what, three or four games straight? Assist, goal, assist, goal, something like that? What, what? We said they robbed him of a goal one game. Yeah, they did. I count that as a goal in my eyes. <laughs> but he did. He got a couple of goals that week, so it's pretty good for him. But I think he's playing top line in Ottawa. He's cheap. They'll probably keep him. I don't think he's going to move. I think yeah, I think you gotta at least at least give it the idea, at least you know explore, see if you could get him. I mean, it's a hometown kid, why not? Left, left shot defenseman and a, hopefully a centerman. Then you can put Holland down on the third line. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Um, what are the Bruins gonna do with their, with their defense though? Didn't you say before we need another defenseman? Oh, we need we need defense. McAvoy holds down the right side. Then he's got Kylo, but they need someone on the left. Um, we just need somebody on that left side. Definitely. Hopefully, you can call in. The, hopefully, you can call back in when they make a good trade. Who, Mike, Mark Wallace? Yeah. I wish we could do. Like, I don't know how it works, the FaceTime audio thing, but one day I want to see if we do a group one. We we'll get you and him both in yeah, the same got, one. Yeah, get multiple on at once. Yeah, you can. Who? Yeah, he likes McAvoy. He does. Mark Wallace is a big McAvoy fan. He's a big Huskies fan too, Northeastern. So he won't like that TJ Semdenfeld to take by you because he's the goat. Everyone knows that. Easy, easy. Easy. Semp dudes are unreal. 94 of 98 saves. Come on, give me a break. Give me a break. Skis, dude. Anyways, though, Mike, thank you. All right. Oh, my God. I'm gonna stop. You know that you know the Northeast and Red ones are filthy. You know the Red ones are filthy. We already, we already talked about how nasty Northeast jerseys are. You even said they were nice. You said they were nice. Anyways, Mike, thank you for calling in. We appreciate it. We'll get to Mark yeah, Walsh real quick, see, what he, see if he has any takes about the Bruins or whatever he's got. Uh, but thank you for calling in, Mike. Always always appreciative of you calling in. The guru. All right. Guru. To, uh, dispute the takes next week, all right. All uh, right. Yeah. Let's see how it goes. All right. Have a good one, Mike. Thank you for calling in. Bye-bye. There's a sports guru, Mike Curley, calling in. Always a pleasure having him come on. As I said, he knows everything sports, so having him come in is always a great asset. Uh, now we got Mark Walsh. See what he has to say. Um, let's go. Here he is calling him. Here he is, Mark Walsh calling in from Dorchester, hey, Massachusetts. On, How are we doing, Mark? What's going on? What's going on, Mark? I'm doing well. I'm happy to call in, talk about the bees. I heard you guys uh, chatting before I called. Um, so I actually have some some statistics about uh, Mike Furley's point about thinking uh, we need to prioritize bringing in a D-man. I think, okay. I think uh, we don't really have a big name at that position besides McAvoy. Mm-hmm. I can see like, that, that had been a problem for a while. But right now we're actually top ten. I think we're number eight in uh, like defensive efficiency in the league. Uh, we we rank really high, and uh, I think we're number eight in goals allowed per game. Like we allow the eighth. Yeah, eighth. Yeah, I mean, swimming's been great. Two point one five a game. He's been giving up, so it's great. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then I saw something too to the Swayman point. I totally agree. He's an absolute stud. I guess through 30 games, he has a better save percentage than uh, Mark andre Fleury's thir- first 30 games. Wow. Uh, Dominic Hasek, obviously an all-time goalie, his first 30 games. Swayman's got a better save percentage than those guys. Uh, I know there were a few more names on that list. I can't remember off the top of my head. I saw that earlier. Uh, Swayman made his 30th start last night, and he was rock solid. So mm-hmm. I, I didn't see why they sent him down to the AHL earlier in the year. I'm um, happy he's back. Obviously sad that... Tuka went out the way he did, and um, you know that's obviously another story. But mm-hmm. I also agree they got to go all in at the trade deadline. I think 
you send everybody except for Fabi and Lysel, who we just drafted in the first round. You know, give mm-hmm. them the first round of this year. Why not? Yeah. You need to bring in a top guy, top performer guy who's going to get us on the board. Might need you out there, Ken, a draft pick. Going, hey, Jack Hughes from Northeastern. He's a sender. You can use him. Why not? But um, we got Mike Curley shooting back here. He said because of the goaltending in Bergeron, which he agrees with you, but he said the goaltending in Bergeron have been a big factor in why the defense has been uh, playing very well. That's why the ninth ranked, he said. Or yeah, that's why, sorry, why uh, Swayman's right ninth ranked, he means. But, yeah, he's uh, he agrees with you on that point, too. But I think for depth, too, it's never a bad thing to have uh, more defensive. We saw that year we traded Johnny sure, Boychuk yeah. just to do it. And then everyone gets hurt and, and, and you're screwed, you know. So right. the depth. You know, that screwed us in the playoffs last year. You lost Kevin Miller. You lost Carlo. Our right side was so weak. We just got absolutely exposed by the Islanders. I think if Carlo's in that series, could have went differently. Obviously, there were a few close games in there. Uh, last game, we the last game of the series didn't go well for the Bees. You know, heartbreaker. But mm-hmm. um, absolutely, you know, yeah, we've always I, had I definitely that. think that that's a really good point. You know, health wise, you want to be able to have guys who can step in, you know, play the role. Eight minutes in the playoffs and you know uh, step up when you need them to most and I think a guy like JT Miller like that's what he said JT Miller that is uh that that's a high performing guy this year he's doing great another Canuck Connor Garland who I've yep I, uh, Your boy. I've always been a big fan of um I think his you know his five on five uh generating scoring chances is something that Bruins could have used years ago I don't know why they didn't just splurge again him he's also a fifth round draft pick um, happy he got his chance in Arizona. They sent him away to Vancouver, and I heard they're already shopping him after less than half a season with the team. He'd be a great addition, I think, too. Absolutely. Think, you know, yeah, definitely. He fit right in with this. You've this always team. been a big fan of him for years now, and, and, and Matty Ice as well has always been a big fan, too. So I always, I always know it's been a name you've been uh, wanting on the Bruins. Um, and then Mike Curry also said um, the Canes dropped 20 goals on us in three games. Their only goal was King Burge. So. He thinks we yeah. need defensemen. He also thinks JT Miller as well. So, interesting viewpoint. Same as you. Um, we, the Bruins yeah, need to just stack true. up, get another defenseman, run off a depth, or to get a good one. JT Miller's a very good player, mm-hmm. too. And then he also yeah. said Lawson Krause from Arizona. Decent yeah, wing, five on five producer. Yeah. Um, so, see see how they do with that. Obviously, Arizona, you were telling me that now they're going to play at Arizona State. So, that was yeah, news to me. Mark Walsh yeah. broke that news to me on the back on the way back from UMass Lowell, <laughs> which is interesting. They're playing at uh, Arizona State now, the Coyotes. So, yeah, that, that franchise, they, they just need to move. I don't know why they're so committed to the Arizona hockey market. It just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it hasn't worked I out. That, that move is going to do anything for them. they got to get out of there. They need Mark Walsh in there to, to set the set the order straight. Lay down the yeah, lock here. They could use you in there. Yeah, they, they definitely, I think they just gotta, they just got to bite the board and relocate. They're just trying too hard to make something happen that, that hasn't been there in years, you know? Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. It'll be interesting to see how things go. Maybe a year or two, because I think they would they sign at least with Arizona State two years or something, three years. Yeah, something like that. I mean, so, I can't see them staying in Arizona that long. Yeah, yeah, I, can't I mean, they probably just want to save money. I guess that's what it's about. But you think a, uh, an NHL, any professional team would have the money to spend to stay in their own arena? It just doesn't make sense not paying yeah, the bills. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, and if you can't stay in your own arena, you may as well just move to a bigger market. Yeah, were well, you going to make I mean, money just for jersey sales? A city like, like Atlanta Vegas. that used to have an NHL team. Thrashes. Um, yeah, you could go back there. Absolutely. I mean, it worked out for the for the Vegas Knights, too. Made a lot of money off mm-hmm. that. So The crack in that, too. That's a good market for them. Yeah, not bad. I mean, there's no yeah. team in the West like that. Yeah, Seattle, a new team there. So having new teams in the West always you know, makes more money. If you think Arizona would be making at least something, you know what I mean, just because West Coast and all that. But I guess it makes sense that they don't because no one cares about hockey. They just care about going out in the nice weather. So that's a problem. You know what I mean? And also football, yeah. big thing, having it be, you know, obviously, the Arizona Cardinals are really good. And then uh, obviously the Suns have been, been hot, too. So I guess they're... They're uh, overshadowed by how good those teams are, which doesn't help. Yeah, that's definitely, you know, they, uh, they're they definitely overshadowed in that market. I don't know why nobody really gravitates to hockey in the region, but they're still committed to it, and we'll see how it pans out. But Absolutely. facing some big problems out there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Hey, one yeah, more second, sure. though. Give, it, give us your quick prediction scores, Northeastern Friday, Saturday. Here, a quick prediction, BC, Northeastern. What do you think? I'll say uh, BC at Northeastern Friday night. I'll go... Uh, more of a high-score matchup. I'll do five, four Northeastern. Okay. Okay. Well. And okay. Saturday night at BC. Uh, I'll take Northeastern two to one. All right. I like All it. Right, I like it. We need way. a Jordan Harris goal at, at BC for the payback on that hit from Casey Carew. We need that. Yeah. Absolutely. Come on, roll skis. But hey, Mark, thank you so much for calling in. Always a pleasure you calling in. Truly, and having your insight about the Bruins and Northeastern was a blast. So thank you so much for calling in. Yeah. Thanks for calling. Uh, coming on, Mike. Looking forward to this weekend. Mark. Hey, you're the goat. Take it easy. Have a good one. Bye, bye, Mike.
I'm not, oh, Mark. I don't know. Yeah, you're I don't, I don't know how Mike just came You're making me mouth, mess but, up the names. You're saying Mike. So it's 8 o'clock. It's getting late. Um, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Obviously, it'll be a big game for Northeastern and BC. We're excited uh, to pay attention to that. But having Mark Absolutely, call in is a yeah. blast. And definitely yeah. check out his yeah, music. Yeah, it's always good to have either of them call in. Mark Wash Mike Music, Mark. Spotify, uh, and Apple Music. Um, definitely listen in. Always a pleasure having him come on, as I said. But definitely look at his music. He's one of the best around, if not the best. Him and Fat Hosey, one and two. For sure, yeah. Mark Walsh, 1A, Fatally, 1B. There you go. Mm-hmm. Those are two best. So um, definitely tune in. Listen. Yeah, with that, um, we're going to wrap up another week of the playbook. Thank you guys so much for listening again. Um, you know, we're having a blast talking about this. So, you know, it was great to recap the Super Bowl, Celtics, hockey, all of that. Um, so we look forward to next week. Thank you guys. Yeah, thank you guys for calling in and uh, getting Mike Hurley and Mark Walsh. I said it was great. We'll be back Wednesday, February 23rd, 7 8 p.m. We'll recap both BC and Northeastern hockey games. Probably talk more Celtics. Hopefully the win streak continues. And now obviously the All-Star break's coming. So I think this is our last game for the All-Star breaks. Hopefully we keep it. Yeah. Get 10 wins. It'll yeah, be nice. Yeah, tonight. Big BC um, basketball game too. BC so. basketball too. We'll be, we'll be back. We'll recap those. But basketball. quick shout out. Mike Curley, Mark Walsh. Thank you guys for calling in again. Shout out my family for listening in. And uh, shout out the O'Malley's. Thank you guys. Have a great night. Appreciate it. Stay safe and well.